So let's pray and uh, let's get started. Father, we thank you for a glorious day. Lord, um, it is wonderful outside. And Lord, we are just basking in the sunlight. Lord, we love coming to church on Sundays and we thank you for the ability just to get up and come meet with your saints, talk to your saints, hear the word of God preached, Lord. We're so happy to be here. Lord, we're just looking forward to what you're going to do in our last week as we're trekking through Genesis. And uh, Lord, we just uh, are praying for Brother Jason next week because he's going to teach us apologetics. And Lord, uh, Jessica, we're just praying for that baby to come out. Lord, uh, uh, as soon as it wants to, we're praying for her and uh, her health and the baby's health. And uh, there was one more prayer request. I'm sorry, I forgot it. But uh, Lord, you know what that, that request was. Mm. And uh, Lord, we're just uh, praying for our time. We're asking for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on in. Have a seat. Make yourself comfortable. Kick off your shoes. Uh, we are through the book of Genesis. We made it all the way through all 50 chapters. Yay! And um, But what we're going to talk about now is how do you find Christ in Genesis? And what I want to do at the, I want to spend a little bit of time on the general principle of how to find Christ in Genesis. And then I want to specifically focus on uh, looking at a type of uh, a type of Christ in Genesis, which is through the life of Joseph. Now there are two. I, the, it's weird. There, as you are studying typology and how you find Christ in Genesis, you'll have people that will say, unless it is specifically mentioned in the New Testament and it goes back to the Old Testament, it is not a type. So you'll have that one extreme. But then you'll have people who will say. Basically, every sentence in Genesis is going to, in some way, relate to um, relate to Christ. And I, it, there, the the variations were as wide as the mountains. It was huge when I was trying to study this. So what I did was I broke it down to basically two ways that you can think about how to find Christ uh, in Genesis. One will be prophecy. A prophecy is go- are going to be words, specifically words that are t- are tied to a direct direct fulfillment. In the future, can anybody think of a prophecy about Christ in Genesis? Anyone? Any prophecy? Abraham and the burning bush. I mean, the, the offering lamb, the son, the lamb. The lamb. The okay, Abraham and the lamb. It's a it's a picture. Okay, um, that's that's actually more of a a type, but that's that's good. That's good thinking. Think about um, uh, let's say. I'll, well, let me throw it out. Does anybody have anybody else possibly have one? Well, there's Adam and Eve, where um, after the sin. So. After they sin, what does that what does that signify? What is how, what is that a prophecy of? The fall. the fall, and the fall is taken care of by Christ. So all of that's cool. Okay. Uh, the other way, and that what we're going to focus mostly on, is called a type, and a type points to a person, place, or thing that foreshadows an event in the future. Now. When you get to types, and then what was funny was, so you've got, you've got these people who have all of these ways to find Christ, but I said we're going to focus on just two. But even within these two, once you get to types, you have a thousand people that, again, have a thousand ways. Some people will say, you know, every, every rock, every tree, every bird, every bush, every person is somehow related to Christ. But we're, we're not going to do that. But let's, first let's look at what uh, prophecies. The, the Messianic prophecies, they are extensive uh, but certain features stand out. There are two principal types. There's a messianic prophecy, which is often general in language, and it happens that only the Messiah could fulfill it. And then the other way 
In many other passages, the Messiah is identified by some specific term, uh, and these can be called personal. Just as an example, not related to Genesis, in Isaiah 7-4, the Messiah is identified as Emmanuel. Everybody remember that term? But he's never called Emmanuel, but that passage is a passage that specifically is talking about the Messiah. Now, both types of messianic prophecy play an important role in how we understand our doctrine. Okay? Now, there's one. Everybody turn to Genesis 49.10. Genesis 49.10. Genesis 49.10 is coming as um, Jacob is blessing his children. And in 49.10 it says, The scepter shall not depart from Judah. Uh, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until Shiloh comes. And to him shall be the obedience of the people. Now this is talking about that the Messiah would come and he, would, he was going to reign until the destruction of the Jewish government. This was talking about what was going to happen. It's, it's telling you about um, uh, the, the life of Judah. And Judah is in the line of the Messiah. We know that the, he was a line out of the tribe of Judah. But again, this particular verse was just a prophecy uh, that just seemed to identify him in a spe- some specific way that only he could fulfill. Okay, so this would be a prophecy. And a lot of the prophecies that you're going to see in the book of Genesis are related to the humanity of Christ. Turn to Genesis 3. 3.15. Here, uh, in 3.15, it says... And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. Now here it's said that the Messiah is going to be called seed. And this is a, uh, a prediction of later Old Testament prophets that the Messiah was going to be a human. And a lot of the prophecies that, were, and a lot of the prophecies that you'll see in the book of Genesis has the Messiah, and it's going to talk about his human aspect. Not necessarily his divine aspect, but his human aspect. And um, what's up? Hope you're doing well. And uh, and uh, the testimony concerning his lineage and his connection with Israel, his predicted birth in Bethlehem, and his title as a son leave no doubt or intention that the re- is of of the revelation of this humanity. So that's that. There are two types of prophecy that we're going to uh, that we've seen here just real quickly. But what I want to talk about and what I want to focus on are the different types in Genesis. Now, what is a type? Okay, uh, uh, the type, again, it points to a person, a place, or thing that foreshadows an event in the future. So what are the distinctive uh, aspects of a type? One, it must be true, uh, a true picture of the person, or, or excuse me, a true picture of the person or the thing it represents or it prefigures, or two, a type always prefigures something in the future. All right? So let's take a look at Genesis uh, 1 and through 3. We're going to talk about a type. Adam was a type of Christ. Does anybody have any, any uh, picture in your mind? Where is Adam called a picture or a type of Christ in the Bible? Anywhere in the Bible? Are you referring to like where he, uh, is it Christ or the second Adam? Yes. Let's go to Romans 5.14. Keep your finger in Genesis 1 and turn to Romans 
Romans 5.14 says, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam. Now, that's who we're talking about in Genesis 1 until, uh, until Moses, even, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type. Now, here he's specifically called a type of him who was to come. Okay? Turn back to Genesis 1. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because he was created without sin, Adam... Uh, was a son of God in the sense that no human being could be, okay? He was a little different than me and you. But uh, Jesus was a son of God in a way that was a little different than me or you could be. But Adam was also a type because he was uh, the husband of Eve as a type of Christ, as the husband of the church. Um, Turn to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, 31 and 32. Ephesians 5, 31 and 32. For this reason, man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Now, we see in Genesis chapter 2 that Adam and Eve were married. And so we see that there's this relationship between uh, their marriage kind of foreshadowing, kind of giving us a type of the marriage between Christ and the church. Now, the, the thing, again, that I want you to realize is as you're studying types, as you just, if you just want to say one day, you say, hey, I want to find a type in Genesis, and you're looking for Christ, there are, if you're looking for information, there are going to be, again, a thousand different models for you to use, a thousand different models. I think one of the ways to, to safeguard yourself is to, not go with anybody who's going to say crazy way out things. Like, again, not every rock, every tree, every bush is related to Christ Jesus. But I also don't think it's safe to say that only something referenced in the New Testament can be related to Christ. There are things that uh, can be in the Old Testament that doesn't necessarily pick up in the New Testament that can be uh, related to Christ. But it can, it can still be a, a type, but it doesn't necessarily have to be fulfilled in the New Testament. Now, uh, let's take a look at another one. Uh, if you turn to Romans 5.18 again, or to Romans 5, we'll turn to 5.18 this time. Romans 5.18. Excuse me. It says... So then, as one transgression, there resulted condemnation for all men. Even so, through one, the act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. Now, who is that talking about? Who was the one man that was condemned? Adam. Adam. Who was the one man that was justified? Christ. Christ. So again, it's kind of making Christ a type, okay? Now, a- another thing that you can see is, if you look at Genesis 3, if we go back to Genesis, if you look at Genesis 3.21... If you look at Genesis 3.21, it said, The Lord made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. Now, what's that going to be a picture of? What's that going to be a type of? What's that going to give us a, a snapshot of? Robes of righteousness. Robes of righteousness. Hmm? Yes, sir. Uh, the atonement. The atonement. Killing his son. Yeah. I'm sorry, Chris? Yeah, him killing his 
his healing his son. Uh, if you if you think about it, it says they had already had aprons of fig leaves, and this was the best they could do to cover their nakedness. But this was just a picture of the atonement. I agree with Pastor Amelia. It is something. It is God showing us through what is going to what happened in the past. It's going to what's going to happen in the future in a fuller fulfillment. Um, let's turn to Genesis six. We're going to look at the ark. I think a lot of times that gets overlooked, that picture with Adam and Eve, with uh, um, the coverings, because it doesn't specifically say something had to be killed, but something had to be killed in order to make them. Right. And it, it, it's, again, it, what's, what was, again, fascinating to me was, I, I just couldn't believe that you have people arguing over types. You know, as I'm, as I'm reading, um, say, John Walbert, who's from DTS, who uh, has de- definitely distinctive beliefs, he's arguing one way. But as I'm, I'm reading a, a book that uh, Pastor Emilio gave me, thank you, it was a great book, but didn't specifically work out for what we're doing here, but this, this guy's arguing a different way. And you might have somebody who's going to argue in another way, in another way, in another way, in another way. And, but the, the, I think the point is, again, if you find something that you think is a type, test it against what the church has come up with as a type. If the church has, as a whole throughout history says, hey, this is a type, you can kind of be sure. But if you're coming up with a type and you're like, Hey, this, hey, that rock over here on the sands of, you know, the shore of the bank of the Nile, that's Christ. And I see it, and I know it, and I can make a... Ro- okay, nobody's ever seen that before. Then you might want to get a little little concerned. Yes? Hey, John, <clears throat> on one type, like me and you discussed, the type of Israel being a type of Christ, or the nation of Israel. Yes. Um, I was reading one guy, and it seems like a, it seems like a general um, point of view of a lot of people is, they get discouraged um, from seeing, like he was basically saying, Israel's not a type of Jesus because look how Israel repeatedly fails in the Old Testament. That can't be right. a picture of Christ. Well, no type is going to be perfectly. All types fail. Um, yeah, they all fail compared to Christ, so you shouldn't let that necessarily the right. shortcomings of, of the type. You know? to, to be a type, you don't have to, it's not, um, it's not a clone. A type is not a clone. Uh, a type can be, it can be just specifically pointing out one particular aspect of what Christ did, what Christ said, uh, who Christ was, but it doesn't necessarily, I mean, you don't have to have a man walking around in the Old Testament um, who was born of a virgin, who was the son of Mary, you know, that doesn't necessarily have to make someone a type. Yes, Pastor? Well, I, I was just, um, that, that brings up a good point, but, and I also, I think that would kind of lend itself to the nature of the type itself, you know, I mean, that's what Jesus Right, that all the types and pictures in the Old Testament that were, in, in, you know, we should expect for them to be inferior to Christ. Right. You know I mean, like, you know, Jesus said something better than Solomon, better than the temple, better than Jonah did here. Right. You know what I mean? So, I mean, Jesus is a type of Christ, but, uh, excuse me, Jesus is a type of David. <laughs> David is a type of Christ. Okay, but David committed adultery. Right. So, I mean, of course. Right. I mean, we should expect for these types to fall short. And, and again, uh, you know, as you, if you're, if you were doing, if we were doing finding Christ in all of the Old Testament, I mean, you got the tabernacle, you've got the 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 wandering through Israel, you've got, I mean, there's picture after picture after picture after picture, and again, these again, they're they're types, but again, how can Christ, one single person, uh, be be cast as a type by the whole nation of Israel? He's one person. There are a whole bunch of group of people. Again. Sometimes you might just be looking for one specific aspect, one specific thing, uh, one specific saying, one specific doing. 
that will be your type. But as we're looking at the ark here, another dramatic event early in the history of the race is the pre preservation of Noah and his family. The ark itself is a significant type to be considered a typical thing, but the event of pre uh, preservation is freighted with meaning. In the midst of almost universal judgment, God has singled out the righteous and preserved him. Does anybody remember? Now, we're in Genesis 6. with the, it's, He's building the ark, and Genesis 6-8 is where uh, he's commissioned Noah to build the ark. Where in the New Testament does God bring up what Noah did? Anybody remember? 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter 3. Let's turn to 1 Peter 3. First Peter 3, around verse 20. Everybody, uh, hope your thumb is good and wet today because we're going to be flipping back and forth a lot. So you got to get that thumb moistened up. Um, first Peter 3. Uh, let's, start at, let's start at verse 19. In which also he went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison. Verse 20. Who once were disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Now here's the thing. Corresponding to that, baptism now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Christ Jesus. Now when it, when it says that, the that, corresponding to that, it's talking about the water in Genesis, uh, chapters, uh, in the chapters in Genesis about Noah. But again, that whole situation with the flood signifies uh, something specific that is being talked about there. If you were in the water and you were, uh, if you were in the days of Noah and you were in the water, were you a good person or a bad person? Bad person, okay? If you were inside the ark, were you a good person or a bad person? Good person. Well, still, still a bad person. Yes, Trish. But by faith, you're a good person. If you're in Christ Jesus, are you a good person or a bad person? Understanding Triss's uh, caveat there. You're a good person, okay? The picture is, if you're found in Christ Jesus, is the type is, if you're found in Christ Jesus, you're okay. And that's the point that he was, saying, that he was making in this particular text. It's just, uh, again, just a type of Christ, all right? And it says, uh, God saw the wickedness, wickedness of man back in Genesis... God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of his thought was only on evil continuously. But Noah, but the family of Noah was, was provided for within the ark. They were safe. Okay? They were people that were floated along and God said, this is going to be good for you. This is where you need to go. All right? Um, even as Noah's family was found to be a, found a place of safety in the ark, so today believers find security in Christ. Um, once the family of Noah was inside the ark, they were safe from the floodwaters. And guess who shut the door? The Bible says that God shut the door of the ark. Who is it that seals your salvation? God. I mean, God does it all. So I hope you see, again, just how we're just focusing on quick, quick ones about how this can be a type. And the Bible says that in Colossians 3, that not only that, not only did God shut the door, that our life is hid with Christ in God. Okay? So... All of these, again, are just kind of little things that point back to Christ, little pictures, little, little certain uh, things that make you go, hey, the Bible is a Jesus book. There are things in Genesis, things in Exodus, Leviticus, 
Pastor uh, Emilio, he's talking about um, Alan Ross's it's Alan Ross Alan Ross's book, Alan Ross, um, and he's just loving what he's finding in Genesis or in Leviticus about Christ Jesus. Has anybody here read Leviticus? Is that book about Jesus? Yes, it is about Jesus. But Leviticus is, you know, hey, sacrifice two birds on the altar for the sins of the people. Leviticus is just crazy, but it's all about Christ, you know. But even Genesis, as you're reading narratives, as you're reading the old that history, you gotta find Christ if He's there. He's there, but sometimes you have to know how to find Him. Um, does anybody know anybody else? How about Isaac? Can anybody think of any way that Isaac, in any way, models Christ? The father sacrificing his son. Father sacrificing his son. That's a new person in our class today. How you doing? <laughs> Okay, the father sacrificing the son. Turn to Galatians 4 8. I always have to remember that by General Electric Power Company. That's the only way I can remember what order they're in. 4 8. In the New Testament, Isaac is used as a type of the church, okay, which is compo- composed of spiritual children. Now, let's look at 4.8. It says, <clears throat> however, at that time, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those which are, by nature, no God. Now, turn to 4.29. Um, as a type of the new nature, which is born of the spirit, in contrast to the old nature typified by Ishmael. Verse twenty, verse nine, or I'm sorry, I was reading verse nine. Let me go to twenty nine. Hey, wrong verse. Uh, and you, brethren, like Isaac, are children of promise. Verse twenty nine. But as at the same time, he who was born according to the flesh uh, persecuted him who was born according to the spirit. So it's so it is now also. So again, we've got these two pictures. We've got Isaac. We've got Ishmael. One is born. One is spiritual. One is fleshly. Again, pictures of what's going on in the life, uh, in, in a Christian's life, but it's pointing back to who is our life. It's Christ Jesus, okay? Now we're going to take a look at, uh, let's see, the, the Genesis uh, chapter 21. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 21. Back to Genesis Genesis 21. In Genesis 21, 1 and 2, uh, Isaac's birth was supernatural, and so was Christ's birth. Let's look at verses 1 and 2. Then the Lord took note of Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the appointed time of which God had spoken to him. Can anybody think of a verse where it talks about a, a time being related to when you were born, to Christ coming, when he's born? Galatians 4.4. 4. Turn to Galatians 4.4. 4. Galatians 4.4. 4 said, but when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, 
born under the law. So again, it's just little pointers, little pictures, little little things that point to uh, how little events that happen in the book of Genesis are pointing to, they show you just a little bit of what's going to happen fuller in the New Testament. Um, let's look at Luke one thirty or one thirty five. Does anybody happen to know that verse off the top of their head? That's a pretty famous verse. Luke one thirty-five. The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy child shall be called the son of God. So Jesus was the son of God and not the son of Joseph. Jesus was virgin born. His birth was supernatural. And of course, we're we're careful to note that even though there are parts of Isaac's birth that are different, there are parts of Isaac's birth that are the same. Is that that's the point that I'm making? Does everybody understand? There were ways in which Isaac, the way he came about They prefigure, they give you a type of what Christ was going to do when he came. So now now we're going to get to the one that I actually want to get to and spend a little time on. We're going to talk about Joseph. We're going to talk about the types of uh, types in Joseph's lives that were types of Christ. Um, Joseph was the beloved one of his father. Okay? Uh, If you look at Genesis 37.3, Genesis 37.3, It says, now Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him, excuse me, a very colored tunic. He made him a, a cloak of lots of colors. But if you look at Matthew 3, Matthew 3.17, what does it say of Jesus? Whoever gets there first, read it out. Matthew three seventeen. And behold, a voice out of the heaven said, This is my beloved son, whom I am well pleased. So again, we know that Joseph was loved, beloved of his father, but we see we have a voice from heaven saying that Christ was the, the, the beloved of his son. Joseph was hated by his brothers, and Jesus was hated by who? The Jewish leaders of the time. If you look at Genesis 37.4, we'll see that Joseph was hated. 37.4. It says, and his, uh, and his brother saw, excuse me, there's a, his brother saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers. And so they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. But not only is, is, is Joseph hated, we know that Christ was hated. But is there, a, is there a promise of something that the Messiah was going to do in the, in the, New Te- in the Old Testament, excuse me, that points to the New Testament? In Isaiah 9, 6, it says, even though Joseph was hated, we know that Christ was hated. But here's something that t- tells us, it's not in Genesis, but it tells us a little bit about the, the character of the Messiah. 
It says, for unto us a child is born, that's his human nature. Unto us a son is given, that's his divine nature. Um, the government shall be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, or the Father of Everlasting, the one who makes everything, the Prince of Peace. Even though uh, Joseph was hated and we know that Christ was hated, we also know that Christ was, is the one who ultimately is going to bring peace to everyone that is offered peace through Christ Jesus. So, uh, then there's, we can look at, uh, Joseph was cast into a pit, and he was delivered out of it. And Jesus descended into a pit, uh, metaphorically, the abode of the dead, and came forth in a triumph over death. If we look at 37, chapter Genesis 37, 24. Thirty-seven twenty-four says, And they took him and threw him into a pit. Now the pit was empty without any water in it. Can anybody remember anywhere in the New Testament where it talks about believers or Christ Jesus being found in this way? Ephesians. Not the tomb being empty. No, not the tomb being empty. Uh, turn to Ephesians 4, chapter 4. About a cistern? Not necessarily a cistern. Ephesians 4, 8 through 10. <coughs> Ephesians 4, 8 through 10. Therefore it says, when he had ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also has descended into the lower parts of the earth? Uh, he who descended is himself also he who ascended far above the heavens, so that he might fill all things. So Christ, Joseph was lowered down into something. Christ went down into something for us. Where did Christ come down from? Heaven. heaven. He said, I am the bread that comes down from heaven. Christ came down to dwell with us. Okay? Um, Joseph was falsely accused and imprisoned, and similarly, similarly, Jesus was arrested and condemned by false testimony. If you look at Genesis 39, 19 through 20, Genesis 39, 19 through 20. And you contrast that with Mark 14. So Genesis 39, 19 through 20, it says, And now when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spoke to him, saying, this, uh, this is what your slave did to me, his anger burned. So Joseph's master took him and put him in the jail the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in jail. So we, if we look at Mark 14, at the end of Mark, Mark fourteen fifty six. Mark fourteen fifty six says, For many were giving false testimony against him, but their testimony was not consistent. So again, 
Joseph was lied on, Christ was lied on. You can see that in other Gospels. We know that in prison, Joseph was placed between two prisoners, and he foretold uh, the release of one and the destruction of the other. And this was a type of Christ when he did what? When he died on the cross. Who was Christ crucified between? Two thieves. Two thieves. And was one, one ultimately was justified because Christ said, today you'll be with me in paradise, and one was condemned because he did not believe that he was the son of God. Now, Joseph dealt with his brothers in such a way as to bring them to repentance for their sin against him. And Christ will allow uh, the Jews to go through great trials in order that he might, they, he might bring them all to repentance. Turn to Genesis 42. Genesis 42.7 says, When Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he disguised himself to them and spoke to them uh, harshly. And he said to them, Where have you come from? And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. But it's, it's interesting that... Uh-oh, I lost my reference. Hold on. Uh-oh. I am so sorry. I lost my place. I lost my reference where that one was. Sorry. Uh, but Joseph, was he was also cast into a pit and delivered out of it. And Jesus descended into a pit from Hades, uh, into the pit of Hades the abode of the dead, and came out in a triumph over death. I'm sorry I lost my, my, my place where that one was. But Joseph was sold for 20 pieces of silver, and Jesus was sold for 20 pieces of silver. Uh, Joseph was falsely accused and imprisoned. Similarly, Jesus was arrested and condemned by false testimony. What's up, Josh? Um, so you can see that there are a lot of things that parallel in the lives of jo- life of Joseph and in the life of Jesus. It was during the years of famine that Joseph revealed himself to his brethren. And it will be during the time of Jacob's trouble that Christ will reveal himself to the Jewish remnant uh, of that day. Turn to uh, uh, Hosea chapter 5. Hosea chapter 5. I was just thinking of Joseph's life, you know, before he reveals himself to his brothers. Yes, sir. He's tempted by Potiphar's wife. And then we see Christ also being tempted by the devil before he reveals himself, uh, essentially before his ministry, Mm -hmm. and calls the apostles and disciples to himself. Yes. Uh, And what I'm going to do is I'm going to make this last point, and then I'm going to ask you guys, I'm going to ask you guys to really think about any places where you can make references to uh, a type in Genesis. I want, and I want you to think about things like just like what Jason has mentioned. Because again, it's good for you guys, uh, even if, if, your anal- if your analogy is a little off, even if you're making connections, it's good to think through what, what is in Genesis that relates. Because again, Genesis was written to people who were getting ready to cross over into the promised land, but it's also written for us as an example for people who are getting ready to, in a spiritual way, cross over from, from death to life. <clears throat> I mean, there's a, there's a picture to be seen there for us. So you, you have to be able to find 
What relates and what doesn't? Who has Hosea 5? Read verse 15. They will seek him. That's just a again. That's a that's more of a prophecy than a type. But again, when you look at what the book of Genesis tells us about Christ, or yes, what the book of Genesis tells us about Christ, it gives you a full picture of who Christ was in an outline form, in a skeleton form of what he came to do, what he uh, what he what he came to do, what he said, and all the things that make up his life. And again, if you look through the whole Old Testament. You can find little pictures, little snapshots, little individual places where Christ pops up, but it's not necessarily going to be a, hey, I'm Christ, but it's going to be a, hey, I'm Christ. And you need to understand the things that are written there so we can have uh, an understanding of who Christ was from the book of Genesis. Now, does anybody have any, any place other that they think that Christ might show up in Genesis? I know Josh has some. Yes, sir? Well, I just want to uh, back up to... Yes. You know, just, uh, just a realization that you know any Jew. I mean, I think that's fulfilled. You know, not not just looking forward to an eschatological you know period of time. You know, I know a lot of people you know, agree with that or don't agree with that. But if any Jew gets saved, I mean, think about you know think about the Apostle Paul. You know, upon his conversion, I mean, he certainly embodied you know a Jew right. betrayed the Messiah and then realized it came to his senses. Right. You know, so I think that happens for any Jewish person that believes now. You know, they, they, they look upon the one whom they pierced in a sense, you know, even now. Right. You know, so possibly awaiting a future fulfillment of that. But I mean, I think that is a very strong... A strong reference. Strong allusion to Christ. Sure. Yeah. And there's, there's another one that uh, Pastor Emilio brought up. If you turn to, to Genesis 1, and this, is, and this is one where, you know, we have uh, some, some discussions about. And uh, we were actually talking about it on Wednesday. <laughs> Discussions where I'm wrong and you're right. <laughs> and I'm trying to be convinced of your, your, your position. It says in Genesis 1.1, 1, 1, it says, in the, beginning was, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God, so there's a Spirit of God, was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God, what does the next word say? said okay then God said so that's the word of God so you know there are people who are going to say that that word of God is the son right did I get the argument right well I just think that agency of the son certainly is you know credited as creating all things right and, and, and I don't want to miss I don't want to miss misquote you that's why I wanted to ask yeah, so the agency of the son is seen there and in here when it says in the beginning God that's speaking of the father and so you, you have the, the Father, God, the Spirit of God, and you have the agency of the Son being seen in being the spoken word. Now, some people would say, amen, I agree, I see that. Some people would say, eh, I don't know. Work with me. But what I, I want to show you is, what I want to say is, and this was a, the last thing I was going to bring up, if nobody has any, anything that they want to show that they can bring forth, that shows uh, Jesus in Genesis and in a New Testament fulfillment. Well, well, let me just say, let me just say this too, that John. Um, you know, in the Septuagint, mm-hmm. you know, 
the, the New Testament in, in the book of John begins exactly the way the Greek Septuagint does. Yes, it does. In the beginning, same exact parallel. Yes. Okay, you know. Okay. And there you see, if, if it is a parallel to Genesis, which most scholars that I've met, that I've read do, I mean, there you have Jesus saying he was with God. Right. Obviously, there he's referring to God, God what? God the Father. Right. You know, so that's why, you know, I take that principle that when, whenever the Bible says God, usually God the Father is the proper person of the Trinity, the Godhead, that we should be thinking of, unless it's specified otherwise. Right. And, 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 I'll, and please, I want, I want you all to hear this. I'm not disagreeing with Pastor Emilio. I'm, I'm agreeing with Pastor Emilio. I just, what I have to be, I have to, I have to sure up my conviction. Is that a, better, a good way to say it? Okay. You know, I think to help you out with that, yeah. the scriptures does say to let every man be convinced in his own mind. So you know, <laughs> that's, it does say that. So that's why we have pastors and teachers, you right. know, and you need to be convinced of the more excellent way like Pastor Emilio believes. But in, in <laughs> well, it's 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 not a controversy. What I what I was what I wanted to show through this was that what can be clearly seen, what can be clearly seen by one person, can some it can be debated by another person. They might not clearly see it. So if you're standing on a type, if you're saying this is a type of Christ, look, it's clearly plainly seen here, and it's clearly plainly seen there. The person you're talking to might go, eh, I'm not so sure. And you need to be loving to that person. And, and Pastor Emilio, as we were talking about this, he's very loving. He's very, you know, he's willing to show. Uh, he's brought all these good points. He's willing to show what he believes. And that's fine because my faith, your faith, doesn't rest on typology. Our faith rests in the historical, literal man of Jesus Christ. So it's not about, you know, hey, is this rock Christ? Is this flower Christ? It's, no, there was a man that walked, talked, breathed, ate, slept, more importantly, died and rose again in the city of Jerusalem 2,000 plus years ago. Yes, Josh? I think it's still really edifying, though. It's, oh, it's, it's great stuff. It's, but but it, and I want you to understand, there are, I, you could spend years on this topic, going through all the different types Again, you have some people that say everything in Genesis is a type. You have some that say, no, there's only about seven or eight types in Genesis. Ryan, you had a question? Or you had a statement? No, I was just, I was curious which part you were, I'm sure. <laughs> so you agree with Pastor Mealy on this one? In the, in, I don't even think they know what the words. options are. <laughs> what are the options? Okay, the, the, what I'm saying is the option is that in, when it says in the beginning God, that might be just a reference to either Christ, because the, the Bible says that all Old Testament references to God, and it says um, that the Father was never seen or heard in John, uh, John 1.18. So it's either, it's either Christ or it could be uh, just God in his nature, in his total, total essence, or as Pastor Emilio says, that's God the Father. So I don't know. I'm not sure, but I, I buy it. I believe it. I'm there. You got me. But, you know, the back of my mind goes, Maybe. Yes. No, I was going to present a third option. Oh, third <laughs> third option. And here's where I get my third option. I think it's agreed that Christ makes all things, right? We yes. Colossians, so we have an agreement there. I think the disagreement, if there is one, is who said it. Is it God the Father or God the Son? And so where I get my third opinion is Genesis 126. Mm -hmm. 
The first part we may or may not agree. It says, then God said. So mm -hmm. let's assume for a moment that's just Christ. But then it says, let us make man. So the third option to me is that Christ and God the Father made man together. And so I don't separate them. I say they made him together. Oh, yeah. It says, let us make man. But then some people say, well, no, Christ made man. Well, here it says, let us make man. So I see him as the Trinity working together. I, now, I agree with that. Okay. Yes, sir. They're always working together. They always work together. But I think the thing is the image here is the king, key thing because the ultimate image of God is Christ himself when he was incarnate, the uh, incarnate son of God. And that's another type. Image. And, and if you look at the... What do you mean the, ultimate image? Because he's, he's manifesting all the... Oh God, though we are made in his image, he's the ultimate because he's the incarnate son of God. Yeah. So if you look at the commandments, for example, the Ten Commandments says you shall have an image made in any likeness, right? Right. Because what is the tendency of the heart? To what make idols. Right. But what does is, what is God say to do with Jesus? He says, worship, worship him. him. Worship and as an the image. the true image of God. You know what I'm saying? By which all things were made. And all Jesus, Jesus is not Jesus is not said to be created in, or, or in the image of God. No, I'm saying that no, he is, is, no, I'm agreeing with you. Oh, Jesus is not said to be in the image of God. Jesus is said to be right. God. Right. He is the image of God. No, yeah, here it says our in the image of God. I took that as you saying he's better in that image than when he's God the Father or in a different. No, I'm saying in the use of the word image. Right. Okay. It was just a misunderstanding. Yeah. I think you got some misunderstanding. That, that's, yeah, it's easy to miss. But again, what I wanted to point out by, by, by bringing up this last example was, again, you can have a scholar, we could bring the world's most eminent scholar in the Old Testament in here, sit him down, and bring another scholar that's the same credentials, and they might not see the same thing. Okay? So uh, the, the point is, don't, don't worry about getting tied up in typology. But the things that are plain, that are evident, I think, I think the scripture is, when it is plain, it's plain. And I think there are things that we can look at through Genesis that are going to clearly point, or excuse me, in the New Testament, that are going to clearly point back to what happened in Genesis. And those things, I have no problem making them a type. But if it's, if it's something that you want to debate about, see, we can kick that around and who, who it is and what it is. And we can have fun with that. But again... Know your faith. Know that the person that you want to see, the thing that you want to see in Genesis is Jesus. Because Jesus is the reason for our faith. He's the one who came and died for us. He's the most important part of what we see in Genesis through the types. We don't need to be looking for foxes and shadows and all that stuff. But look for Christ. When you find him, say amen, worship him, and move on. Okay? So let's pray. Does anybody have any questions, any more statements that are not going to cause controversy and split the room into two? Yes. Uh, I, just thought, I don't think that you read Luke 24 when we started. Did I start? I it might uh, be a helpful verse just to read to encourage people in the practice of looking for Christ in the Old Testament. You're right. Says I'm sorry. I did. Read that maybe and everybody kind of be encouraged to do that. And, you know, you talk about Jesus being... And I had meant to say this. Um, if, you, if you're in Luke 24, I'll read it for you guys. Um, I'm sorry, that was a bonehead mistake. Um, he's, Jesus is talking to the, the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And he gives us 
uh, this saying, and I think it was actually the guiding point for my whole message today, which I forgot to read. And it says in Genesis 27, Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. So Jesus says, there are things that concern me in all the scriptures. What scriptures was he talking about? The Old Testament. So he's there. We just have to uncover him and figure out the ways to find him. That's an amazing statement. It, it really is. It's amazing because you see, I mean, the book of Esther is being mentioned the word God. Exactly. And yet Jesus is there. It's written about me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's again, this, this, I appreciate you guys, you know, let me go through Genesis. I hope I haven't been too confusing. If you were confused, talk to me afterwards. If you weren't confused, amen. Um, and so let's pray, and then we can go on to our worship service and continue worshiping. Yes, sir. Oh, sure, please. Father, thank you so much for this time. Lord, uh, we thank you for John, Lord, and uh, thank you for his labor. Yes. Uh, Father, it's um, a true blessing to have uh, a brother like John. Lord, thank you. We know that he has a full-time job. He works hard as a family. Lord, for him to make time for uh, a study like this and to have to cram, Lord, two months of Genesis, or the whole book of Genesis in two months, it's just quite a feat, Lord. So thank you for his labor. Thank you for the truth that he's pointed out to us, Lord. Thank you for uh, provoking us to deeper study. And, uh, Father, I just pray that you bless uh, our future uh, Sunday school classes here. Thank you for the interaction that we have with one another, that we can sharpen each other, even if sparks fly at times. Lord, we're thankful that we can uh, that we can help each other grow and maybe see where we have erred or, uh, Father, where we can be encouraged. And so, Lord, we pray your blessing on our worship uh, service today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.